Greetings from the Holly Central School District Library. This is Holly History. We discuss what you want to hear. Uh, I'm Nick DeMora. I'm joined today by Matt Henner, Mike Christman, and Dan Light. It's a full room today, and we have the YouTube celeb <laughs> in the room, the master of the sandwiches, uh, mm. the zombie crossbow, mm. some of the best YouTube. How, what's, how many subscribers are you up to right now? I don't know, over 100 maybe. Over 100? That's pretty solid. I mean, and if we can combine the follow, like exchange followerships, because we have over 100 and you have over 100. Oh. So we can double... Our subscribers. I have to say the zombie crossbow is legendary. <laughs> that was my favorite. You know what? I take that back. I like the sandwich one better. Okay. That was my favorite. I, I, I've watched that one a couple times. Okay. We'll try to put more uh, sandwich footage on the video. If you uh, video. could get more sandwiches. Okay. There, more I, food I, footage. More food. More food. And the that's, hard to, that's hard to believe, actually, that Mr. DeMarno wants more food footage. I know. You did this, the pumpkin seed one, too, right? Pumpkin seed. Carolina Reaper pumpkin seed. And I tried them, and they were good. I was a little nervous because I don't do like I do like hot sauce stuff fine. You like, tried the ones that he made or you yes. made your own? No, I tried the ones oh. he made. Those are good. If I made up, I would have screwed them up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a couple things. Uh, make sure you email us your questions, hollyhistory65 at gmail.com or tweet us at hollyhistory. This is going to be our, our third show of the year, I'm pretty sure. Um, much more is in the works. Um, working on a genocide episode right now, which you know students love, like death and gore. Probably for the wrong reasons, but you know what? I mean, it's the genocide topic is a topic they love to uh, to definitely look at. Um, much more in the works, but today we're going to talk about historical movies. Um, I think movies are something the reason we all fell in love with history at some point, one or another. Just love historical. And we, we've gone to see movies. Went to see Dunkirk that one time. Mm-hmm. It was the the due date. Um, we're hoping to get out to see. Um, uh, they Shall Not Grow Old, hopefully December 27th, I think that's going to be out. Hopefully we can get to see that one. So I'm going to start with uh, Mike. Mike teaches a history through film class. So Mike, what role should should and can historical movies play in, in people learning about history? Because um, you kind of answer this question with your class, so we want to hear from you. Well, we, so we te- here at Holly, we teach a course on history through film. And uh, one of the main um, focuses of that class is to look at film. How accurate do they get things? Um, you know, recognizing the fact that the ultimate goal of any film is to make money, right, and, and to get people to come out and fill seats, but they're not necessarily beholden to getting things historically accurate. Hmm. Um, and I got to be honest, I struggled with this when I first started teaching. I, I hesitated to show film clips, but I began to realize as uh, years went by, students are incredibly visual, and even if it, even if you just get the essence of what you're trying to teach them. Um, I show an, I, it, the one year I showed a number of clips of Cinderella Man to really kind of demonstrate some of the real things that we forget, like the day-to-day ins and outs of the Depression. You know, uh, there, there's a great scene in the Cinderella Man where uh, they're having a, a birthday party and they're singing Happy Birthday, and then when they get to Happy Birthday Two, they sing every kid's name. And we have a discussion about how you know Depression is a time period where you don't people don't have extra flour, eggs, milk. And you begin to realize that they're singing this outside of a church. The church people have, uh, you know, pooled the resources, and it's chocolate cake, and the kids are devouring. Like it's this is a treat. This is your birthday treat, and that's your present. Whether your birthday's in December and it's August or whatnot, right? So kids, I thought, really kind of latched onto that. I show a lot of film clips now, and I, <laughs> I have a ridiculous library at this point in my room of, of things. Use a lot more YouTube than I ever thought I would use as a teacher. You know, there's a lot of teachers out there, including the folks in this room, who use a lot of YouTube. Um, but it, it really helps students to understand the visual. We can explain things, and we know what it looks like or kind of look like, but for them, it's hard for them to visualize it. 
So I think it's important. I think it does have a place, but I also think it has a place that's measured. As, as teachers, we have a responsibility to kind of lay the groundwork for that and to make sure they understand what they're seeing. I find that now I pause scenes a lot more mm. than I used to. They hate my kids get they all mad at me for that yeah. all the time because um, I'm constantly stopping and they're like, are you going to watch the movie? And I'm like, I mean, yeah, but you need to understand why we're watching this movie right. and what we're doing. I have a similar, I use um, The Last Samurai and we just did the, the Meiji Restoration, right? And I, I preface them with, you know, very Hollywood, right? This whole idea. We, and I don't show a lot of the the background stuff and all that. I use it more, like you said, as an illustration. You know, when Tom Cruise is on the boat pulling into uh, Yokohama Harbor, yeah. right? And, like, you see the, the steamships and we talk about how, you know, that harbor just maybe 10 years before would have been closed and seeing any kind of ship in that harbor outside of, like, a canoe for fishing would have been completely random. And then you talk about, like, killing... Uh, the, the idea of killing the old customs of Japan, right? And I show that very last scene where they're using the Gatling gun, right? right. And it's literally the samurai running into a, a, a slaughter, essentially, of, right. of modern technology. And I said, this is what the Meiji Reservation, Restoration is all about, right? You are, they're literally killing the old style, right? And welcoming in this new industrial imperial age. And when you see that in that that visual, especially something like that, you know, with the music and, and all of the, the Hollywood dramatization, that's what they connect with. Well, they'll remember sure. it, and I think the visual, Mike, you said the best, the visual piece is so important. For sure. they, they got to have that visual piece. Um, so we're, we're going to jump right into, like, some opinion now and some fun stuff. What is your favorite historical film and why? Um, Dan or Matt, you want to start? Yeah, you. I don't, I don't want to start. You go right, ahead. I'll start. You, you start. Right, Matt, go ahead. So... I guess I would say I don't know why I, I just I love Gangs of New York. Um, I I love Daniel Day Lewis, right? Um, and to me, to see, I guess you call it the humble beginnings of what is New York City, right? And and the idea it it shows a lot of the things that were were affecting the U.S. right around the time of the Civil War, race, the issue right? Of race the issue right, of race, right? Nativism, tweed machine, yep, yep, oh political, uh, uh, political corruptness, right? All that kind of stuff, but also the idea of like immigration, right? The amount of yeah. of Irish immigrants coming in oh. and how they're they're catching them coming right off the boat and signing and them signing okay. them up. Yeah, yeah. It's like you're coming into this, you're coming into the country, right? And what better way? Grab you, give that. you a job, right? I love that scene as the as the uh, coffins are being taken, offloaded off the boat. The guys are getting a, a gun in a, a uniform and being uh, put back uh, onto a boat, and yep. same boat heading back. So okay, so let me just jump in here. So you're talking about Irish immigration, which now this is not one of the most historically accurate films, but have you guys seen say. Far and Away? I knew he was going yeah. Far and Far and Away. The Irish immigrants living in just mm -hmm. poverty in New York City, just beating each other up, boxing, looking yep. to. Make a new new world. It's funny when you start talking about that. I think a man far. That's away. what I think it's of like too. the first thing. Okay. I think the scene of. where he punches the horse at the land rush. Right. The oh students gosh. freak out. Did he just punch a horse? I'm like no, no animals are harmed making this film. Yeah. <laughs> well, I also show that scene where they're talking. To, so they they go to the uh, the the whorehouse right to get a, a yeah. place to stay. You can hear the politician in the background talk about these these damn Italians coming in and taking Irish jobs. Mm. And I use that as a great segue of, you know, the immigrants are all competing with each other for jobs, too. So the Irish hate the Italians, the Italians hate the Russians, the Russians hate the Germans. 
it, it all lends into all these different power structures that are mm -hmm. going on, which make, which what makes those films like Gangs in New York such a, it's an interesting film. Yeah, absolutely. I just like the I just like the the visualization of it too. One of my favorite parts about historical movies is you know we don't have the ability to time travel as humans yet, right? Uh, and hopefully maybe we're there yet. And hopefully maybe that. we never do because <laughs> butterfly effect and all that. But you know, historical films are a way to be transported to that time. And for history geeks like ourselves, well, they're fun, right? Then it's, it's fun. It it is, and that's why you know. Understanding accuracy and inaccuracy. Why are you looking really at me when you important. say that? Just because every Everybody time I'm watching, looks at me with Sometimes you can value a film for its entertainment. I'm going to do that today. And you don't have to always value the film. I'm going to do that today. All right. I am. I am. Well, some me? some of the best films don't, you know, like I say, I have trouble finding one film that I... Just what, what's remember. on your mind then? What's one that's on your okay, mind? Okay, so I've got a bunch of different scenes that I love. And okay. I know Mike shows this one, Mike Christman. Um, I love, you know, who knows? But I love the scene from Ben-Hur and the Chariot uh, mm -hmm. race scene. I love yeah. that. I've shown that for years to different groups of kids that I've taught. And I just think it's so cool, the whole Circus Maximus. Yeah, when I was a freshman in high school at Brockport, I remember we all went over and we saw Gandhi. And uh, I know it's a long movie and everything, but it is an unbelievable movie. And it's I show, just, I you know, it's a great, it's a great yeah. movie. And if you can show the whole thing, it's awesome. It's kind of tough for me to show the kids the whole movie, but I always, you know, go to the best scenes to try to get through like that kind of stuff. So, so Gandhi, I like the Ben Hur scenes. Um, you know, I love History of the World, but that's not really the most <laughs> accurate. You know, Mel Brooks, for you young folks out there, don't go watching that because I don't want to get in trouble here. But, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I got a few favorite scenes that I, that I like from a, a bunch of different movies. It's so. a good movie. Mike? So, I, like, much like Matt, I, I define it as, you know, entertaining films and historical historically accurate films. And I, I love the, uh, my Teach That History Through Film class, I talk about, I love the whole movie going experience. From the time you walk in till the yeah. time you walk out. As a kid, I was always drawn to it, right? So the, the one film that I find highly entertaining is more historically accurate than a lot of people give it credit for is Tombstone. Just, love Tombstone. Amen. What a great lineup of great actors mm -hmm. um, and tells a, a fantastic story. Um, probably one of the most overdone stories, the Old West, the shootout at the OK Corral. But they got a lot right, and that's what I respect about it. Um, they used a lot of primary source work, um, and really let uh, also let the actors and actresses kind of take a little bit of license with it as well. Val Kilmer's Kilmer as Doc Holliday is Holiday the most ever. entertaining Doc Holliday I've ever seen. No doubt. No. Um, it's fun. It's witty. I don't even think of it as a historical movie. That's yeah. how much like I, I, I love it. So like it doesn't even strike me as a historical movie. It's just like. Straight entertainment. The scene, awesome, the scene awesome. where he comes out in the forest where Doc Holly does. He's like, wow, John Ringo. Look, somebody just walked over your grave. <laughs> I'm like, I'm your Huckleberry. That is the, that scene every time. I mean, I have a, I have a I'm your Huckleberry t-shirt. That's the, that's I have the t-shirt. One of those movies where you see it on TV, you can't. Keep, it was, oh, yeah. can't I keep bought the t-shirt at two in the morning when I was watching it. And I said, there's got to be an I'm your Huckleberry t-shirt. And I bought it. It's probably one of the most quotable movies yeah, for, in recent history, yep, just because it, it has so many great one-liners. But a, a fun movie, uh, an entertaining movie, um, and a movie that kind of harkens back and actually tips its cap, pardon the pun, uh, a little bit to old westerns. Charlton Heston makes a, a cameo appearance. 
um, the um, the narrator at the end, and I can't remember his name, I can I can picture him in my head. The narrator at the end is, is one of the old Western um, cowboy uh, actors. So they, they really did their homework, right? They, they really understood and paid homage to uh, their roots as well. And, you know, in America, I mean, what better genre of American yeah. film than a Western? No, no. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, my, my choice is harkens back to like my childhood and if Dr. Oh. Oberg ever so your childhood if, as if, in if, when if, the rest if, of us were old yeah um, Dr. Oberg if he's listening this will be very disappointed in me it's Last of the Mohicans uh, I, I grew up I grew up and that was one of the first movies like I ever remember like history wise watching it's so inaccurate it's I mean first of all it's, it's the Mohican people it's not even the Mohican people I mean James Fenner Cooper didn't even get that right but you know, alas, it's so entertaining. Um, I just, I don't know, I, I love the French Indian War. And that was, with Fort Niagara in my backyard, it was like I had a, a film and a connection right away to what I loved and what I wanted to do and then getting into work there. And, you know, I love I love the film. Obviously, the inaccuracy is like every musket goes off every time. Apparently, you can pick people off at like hundreds of yards with smoothbore muskets. I love the fact that Hawkeye is like... Uh What's his name there? Uh, Chuck Norris, right? Before oh, Chuck yeah. Norris. I oh, mean, yeah. Hawkeye by himself takes out the entire Algonquin uh, you know, war party <laughs> by himself. It's yep. amazing. Single-handedly. Yep. Yes. Yeah, I mean, like, and then Wes Duty as the, you know, the Huron war captain of, you know, Magua. It's just so, it's like, and they got the whole noble savage thing going on in the movie. It's just my nostalgia of it will never die. And my wife hates the movie. I mean... I don't think anybody besides my father and I like really talk. Daniel Day Lewis is in it too. Like that's the other he thing. He is Daniel Day Lewis is in it. Like, but I, maybe the best actor of the generation. You know what I mean? I never got um, into it. And what happened to Forum Henry certainly is kind of damaging and a little bit like misunderstanding with Native American culture. Mm-hmm. You know, the reason that that happened was because you know Native peoples when they went on campaigns they were expected loot for to help their families in the winter. They were expected to do that stuff. And that deal between Malcolm and Monroe is struck in a way in real history where it's like. You're not going to loot. You're not going to be able to do any of this stuff. Um, too bad. So sad. I don't really like you anyways. Montcalm really didn't like his Native American allies. And the governor, Vaudrill, another whole thing, was the one that sent him with the campaign. And it makes him look like, first of all, it makes Montcalm look bad. And it makes the Native Americans look like bloodthirsty people, which is not the case. Um, the, the massacre for him was totally motivated by the fact like these people wanted to get things to survive for that winter. And they were kind of... Had their back turned on him. Was it brutal? Sure. Did people in this people die? Yeah. But it was not in, like, the whole... The yeah, scene. but if an imperial power or something does like that, it's like, oh, it's all's fair in love and war. Oh, of course. If somebody else does it, it's, of course. oh, you guys are savage. And if yeah. you see this scene, and if you see this scene where they're on the sides of them in the woods, yeah. and you if you watch the movie enough, they're the same Native Americans, the same actors, the same shot. They just flip them around. Yes. To make it look like they got their guns walking one way and guns walking the other way, and it's like, oh my goodness. Okay, can I throw in some World War stuff? We haven't really talked about the World Wars. And no. I heard you mention, we were talking a little bit before I got in here, and uh, Nick, you mentioned uh, Saving Private Ryan. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable film. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tom Hanks, Steven Spielberg. But let me just throw a couple others out there as I'm sitting here thinking, listening to you guys talk about this. Some, fi- some of my favorite movies. Okay, number one is Sergeant York. And I know yeah, it's yeah. very old. Wow, that's a classic. Okay, when we talk about Alvin York from Tennessee, that's a, that's a movie I've been showing it three years now. 
the kids enjoy it because you know in theory from World War One. I, I know you mentioned the movie that's coming out again. What's it called again? The uh, call her now. Sh- they shall not grow old. They shall not grow old. Okay, a couple others though. Um, another couple movies I've shown that I really enjoy, and it's it's I think it is very accurate. Is the longest day, um, even that with John Wayne. Used at all. Yeah. There's part they interviewed um, a lot of people for that. Playing it, and here's another one in my house growing up. You know, um, my father, one of his favorite historical movies, and he was a history teacher too, was Patton. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, when we're throwing out some movies here, you know, as, as we hit the World Wars, I know it's kind of big in a lot of hearts and minds, but uh, I hate to miss anything historically when we're talking movies. about World War II gets all the play, it though. Does. In, it does. In movies. World War I. That's changing. I mean, gets. I'm going to talk about Journey's End later as an accurate film. That was a great movie. I just saw it, but. Um, so what are some of the most historically inaccurate films you've ever seen? Uh, i got a list here of a few things. Matt, huh. yeah, one th- we'll start with Gladiator. <laughs> Gladiator, again, entertaining I was, value. I was to say, I loved was, the movie. I was entertained. So I yes, loved the movie. The answer I was entertained. Yes, I was. Entertained. Entertained. Yes, I was. Um, well played. I guess a lot of his, my professor, Jim Williams in college, told me actually that a lot of historians actually resigned from the film, or even if they stayed on, refused to have their names attached to it. It was that bad. I mean, um, you know, the idea of, first of all, they missed a bunch of stuff with Commodus and Marcus Aurelius, obviously. Um, The idea that gladiators died every time is not accurate. I know for, I'm pretty sure that they, uh, a lot of times, it was so expensive for these guys. Well, that was the thing, yeah. You're like, you're not killing these people. They are expensive, right? Right. People would not have been happy just forking over that much money for the slaughter every single time. Not to mention the best scene in the movie besides Russell Crowe killing Commodus Probably is oh, the Oh, spoiler open. alert. Great job. Okay. Mm. <laughs> All right. Sorry, you can't watch it now, people. It's been ruined for yeah, you forever. Mr. Tomorrow just ruined Gladiator forever. That That's fine. This is the beginning yeah. scene yeah. with the battle. Yeah. That scene is. And that scene. Against the Gauls, right? Germanic tribes, which there's a whole debate of Gauls. Right, you assume. Gauls, like, Germans, right, Celts, right, 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 which is right, which. Right. You can sit there all yeah. day. Um, second one. They're all the same, aren't they? Well, there's a great quote, and Dan Carlin talks about one of his shows. He's like. A Celt is somebody who says they're Celtic. Right. <laughs> it's like, that's it's, it, that's just, it's a mess. Um, Braveheart, Mike, oh, you God. do this in history through film. You could take over because there's oh, so yeah. Great movie. One of my favorite great movies movie. of all time. Entertaining. Mike, take it away. <laughs> so it's a film that, that we use when we do the, the world uh, history section of history through film. I always start with it. Believe it or not, a lot of students have not seen it. Right, because it's older. Ugh. Those of us in the room are a little bit older. I, it's it's be it's from beyond. It's before their time. Um, you know, on, on the entertainment factor, it's off the charts. I mean, it has everything you could ever want. Um, it has love. It has betrayal. It has you know war. It has a great storyline. Great comedy. characters. Comedy. Right. Brit. Stephen the Brit. Stephen the Irishman's one of my all-time oh favorite my gosh, characters. For sure. Film, for right? sure. But. Um, but you start looking at the timeline and actually the way things play out, and the timeline's just so bad. I mean, it's just, you know, when, when you know, and I hate to shatter anybody who loves the movie, but, you know, when uh, Braveheart's executed, the queen is only four. So the, the love story that they try to play out there, you know, and, and, and unless, you know, things are really, really strange, it couldn't have played out the way that it That was a good way to put that. This is really I didn't know how you were going to sign it, but yeah, you know, and, um, and and the real questions too about Braveheart and the the research on William Wallace. Most of the, the historical research done on William Wallace has been done through um, word of mouth. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's well, and they it's completely so difficult to figure out Robert the Bruce. 
Well, Robert the Bruce deserves. What, I mean, his Robert the Bruce's nickname was Braveheart. Correct. Right? And and that was the question that that I had for my group this year was was the film historically accurate as far as the name goes? Because Robert the Bruce is a main character in that film. He's the key character. So do did people misunderstand the term Braveheart? Or did the producers get it wrong and name it, and they just marketed it wrong? Right, Outlaw right, right. King just came out on Netflix. Mm, I Chris, see that. Chris Pine yeah. as Robert the Bruce. Really? Mm-hmm. And it actually starts over with Wall. Like they, you don't Wallace isn't a character, but they they're they're putting his uh, body parts up in London, and so it's that's where it picks up. Execution. Yeah. It the picks beginning. up there, and uh-huh. it was it was a solid movie. What's yeah. that called? It was pretty good. Outlaw King. It's on Netflix. Oh, okay. It was pretty solid. I mean, Chris Pine's in it. Um, he plays, I like Chris Pine a lot. Yeah, and uh, you know, fortunately, I got to watch it because my wife's a Chris Pine fan, so she did watch it with me. Can't imagine why she. She did, did like it. Yeah, I know. Well, he's got a weird hairdo, so I was like, you know, it's that many lucky. It's that medieval cut, right? It's that medieval cut. Um, the next one I have here, I don't want to spend a lot of time in this because it's low hanging fruit. Is Pocahontas? <laughs> trees um, don't talk. Trees don't talk. Oh. Raccoons don't communicate. Raccoons don't communicate <laughs> through. Mr. Like, come on. I can't believe you're going with cartoons here. I didn't even realize we were going that far. That's what I'm saying. It's low hanging. It's low hanging. I know. It's low hanging. I'm still laughing. I'm th- I'm still thinking of like Monty Python, the Black Knight, right now <laughs> with William Wallace. <laughs> Dan, have you ever Bring yeah. forth the holy hand grenade. <laughs> Yes, Monty Dave, Python. Dave, in seventh grade, have you ever had seventh graders ask you Pocahontas' basic Oh, yeah, they love it. Oh, they think it's so great. And doesn't yeah. she, am, am I mistaken here, but doesn't she, like, um, marry John Smith or something? And film, we know that yeah. he mar- no, she, she marries John Rolfe. Not until Pocahontas 2, right? But it's John Rolfe she marries. Yeah, she marries John Rolfe. Yes, oh, I'm sorry, yeah. But yeah. Smith gets sent back, which is maybe one of the more accurate issues. Oh, and she pieces. goes back and they both die. She doesn't go back with him, though. She goes back with Rolfe, not John oh. Smith. Well, no, no, that's what I mean. Yeah, she goes back one. with Rolfe. Oh, I don't one. know. I haven't seen him, so it doesn't no, happen yeah, to me. So I just know it's and Disney Mel, Ironically, Mel Gibson's the voice. He is. Of he is. Why is he John associated Smith. with so he many? Always is. Historical and anchor movies. I'm right? telling you. I mean, Braveheart, The Patriot, Pocahontas. Unfortunately, what with Pocahontas, right. it gives them the wrong idea about like that whole thing. Like John Smith being a good guy, which he was not. By the way, by the way, gets sent back, and I found this out. I, I can't remember which class in college. He gets sent back because he has an accident in a canoe with gunpowder, and kind of blows off like below his waist a little what? bit. Yeah. Yeah, that's his injury. Yeah. That's why he gets sent back. So you bring up the Patriot. I mean, all right. So we can skip. Hang on. Let's let's do the Patriot. Let's do the Patriot next. History of World According to Mel Gibson. The Patriot is a combination of Braveheart and an American Greek tragedy. (laughs) 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 Seriously, because it's an American version of Braveheart. Just because of of, of all the again, it's a great plot line, right? But the historical accuracy of it is just off the charts bad. Well, the, the Patriot has a decent scene in Camden. Like the scene with Camden where they watch from the top, that's actually how 18th century warfare is like kind of fought. I cannot get past the fact that when the British soldiers show up to, to uh, Gibson's plantation, they say, oh take the slaves okay. away. Yep. And they look at the soldiers and say, we're not slaves, we're free men. And we work this in, land as free in men. revolutionary yes. not South Carolina. Right, it's, right, it's offensive. Right, right, it, right. it can't happen that right, way. I'm right, sorry. Right. It's South Carolina. Well, and then you you went to a conference where they explained that, and yes. I, they were like, oh, what it would make his character, um, the audience would be like, oh my God, I'm rooting yeah. for a slave owner. Right. He would, you know? he would be too, it would, it would complicate his character too. Well, he's a mixture of Francis Mary and the Swamp Fox, who was mm-hmm. a. Was a quote-unquote, I don't like using this term because I don't feel it's accurate, guerrilla fighter right. in the South. He's loosely based off him. He's loosely based off Daniel Morgan. Yep. 
um, who's right, a rifle like a compilation of it's a comp- it's a it's an amalgamation of so many things and like <laughs> the final battles an amalgamation too. Yes, because it's cow uh, amalgamation of the battle of Cowpens and Guilford Courthouse. Mm-hmm. And the people, like Nathaniel Green wasn't at Cowpens, but he was at Guilford. In the movies, he, he's, at, he's at the final battle. And in it's all so my historical research, I've never seen anyone actually use an American flag to stab a horse to bring it down. Just so. <laughs> like, a champ, like a champ, like a spear. Yeah, right. And again, another movie. Every gun works every time. I've worked with those guns for eight years. It doesn't work that way. One in five shots doesn't go off, and there's no explanation. I mean, it's... It's the spark from the flint. The flint's not sharp enough. It's too windy. It blows out of the pan. It, and and you hit everything, too, every time. Yeah. Oh, and then the, the you have like a nine-year-old boy shooting at the one scene yes. in the ravine, and he's hitting everything. Aim small to small. I was just going to say. The most is his uh, accurate, right, smooth bore black powder weapons ever invented. That's what yes. I yep. That's all. And, I mean, there are rifles, and they, and they reload so fast. One thing goes Chuck Norris on the entire British Army. Oh, I know. That scene is just like... Just saying. Again, but a movie, though, if it's on TV... I'll watch I'm going to not turn it off. I'm going to watch it. That's the problem with all these movies. Like, oh, it's inaccurate. Well, let me just tell you that. When I first started working here, right, and Mike started teaching, using Braveheart in his world uh, history through film class, it essentially ruined everything that I had because I loved Braveheart. Then he just started picking it apart, and I was like, you know... You're, you're destroying this movie for me now. Rude. I had a student a couple of years ago got really mad at me because he's like, this was my favorite movie. I loved that movie. <laughs> All right, and then we close it out with 300, right? 300, right. 300, that film just... At least 300 problems with that film. Well, you mean... <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That was a straight dad yeah, joke right there. That was a joke. That's the kids in my class would have called that a dad joke. That's They'd have been right. like, there it is. Absolutely. There it is. <laughs> I can't. From, well, from the way that Xerxes is brought in, oh and my gosh, right, you know, right, right. and you know the larger pit that right. you throw the messenger into, right. larger I mean, than life, all those uh, ghost-like assassin right. figures, right? Uh, like, come on. Fighting for a free Greece, even though the Helots are a population enslaved by the Spartans, just completely leave that out of the narrative. And how about all the Athenians that were at the battle and wasn't right. just a but alas? Right. Um, what are the that's most? A, that's the second alas today, by the way. What's that? You're alas. It's like me with the word apropos. It's like me with the word apropos. Right? I'll start just using words like I don't understand it. It just kind of just channels through me. I had a weird childhood where you know you'd read like poems by Robert Frost at like five years old, to understand the meaning, try to understand the meaning of that. Like, or read me Last Mohicans. See, I'm all screwed up now. Thanks, Dad. Appreciate right. it. We're blaming Tony DeMar yeah. right now. Is that what we're doing? Um, <laughs> one of the most historically accurate films you've ever seen. And this will blend with our next question, which is like, what's one historical movie everybody should see? So they'll blend together. Um, so what's the most historically accurate film you've ever seen, Mike? You want to go first? Sure. Uh, I'm going to go back to one that most of our students have never seen or heard of. It's called Torah, 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 <clears throat> which was, uh, if I remember correctly, it was late 70s, early 80s, somewhere in that time period is when it's uh, created. Uh, Torah, Torah, Torah was the, the code name that the Japanese uh, attacking first wave was supposed to get sent back to the fleet. If the success, if the um, attack on Pearl Harbor was a success and being a surprise, um, probably the most historically accurate film on Pearl Harbor, not the mean film it's, Pearl you mean Harbor. It's not Kate Beckinsale. Uh, oh my God! Hey, that's a that's a, uh, that a shout with... out to Meg Harrington right there who thinks that. Uh, 
Pearl Harbor is like the greatest movie ever, and we oh, got into that it. That would actually go into we got into the a debate in Scotty Hall the other day about how terrible, terrible oh it is. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Make no. sure. Tora 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 has it has an all star cast, um, really well done, well researched, not over the top like the Pearl Harbor movie. And Megan and I are going to have to have a chat at some point. Then Megan, we're going to have a chat. She's going to be upset. Class. I, I have no sure. doubt. But um, really, kind of uh, outlays. Not only Japanese reasons for the attack, but why the Americans were so uh, taken by surprise, um, and and really just well done. They used, I, I guess maybe sometimes the older films because they don't rely on CGI. Well, they can't. And 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 you know those other things because they yeah they didn't have that technology. They had to maneuver around things in a different way. So so cinematically, they're able to use different tools with which to to put information out there. So I, that's probably one of the most historically accurate films I've seen. Dan? I'm going to go with Patton again, yeah. just because they did such a nice job on that. That was a great movie. And certainly Gandhi. I mean, to me, those are the two two mm-hmm. big ones yeah. for me. Yeah, they did a good um, job in both. I just ones. want to throw one out there, though. Uh, Titanic was not oh. very accurate, just so you know. <laughs> um, I just want to right. clear that up if anyone wonders about there Titanic. There was room on the door. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I got room on the door. Oh, yeah. uh, man. So, yeah, I mean, I, I love Gandhi. I use Gandhi in my class. I skipped the whole South Africa part, though, because sometimes the kids get confused and they, mm-hmm. they peg him as South African, not Indian. But um, And I know that it leaves out certain things about Gandhi's personality and some other some other things that... Controversial. You know, right, that are controversial. But as far as, like, depicting what he did and the way he was able to rally the people of India and stuff, one of my favorites. You mentioned one earlier, 12 Years a Slave. Right? No, oh, we're saying for the next category. Oh, we are. Okay, okay. But you can well, still say No, 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 no. I, I just uh, mentioned it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. Great, great movie. Um, and this, honestly, I don't, I don't know. Um, there are parts of Hotel Rwanda that are incredibly also in the next accurate, right? Mm-hmm. That, you know, when you, you – I, I pull up all the time. They, there's a sound bite in there that's actually like a news radio clip. There's, there's um, voiceover from Bill Clinton responding to different questions at the time in 1994, mm-hmm. right? Like they include a lot of, of real-life, like, sound bites and primary source within that film. Now, again, obviously – Paul Rusesa Begina, and there have been questions raised about him, and was he really this this hero, or was he right. self motivated? Right. Well, There's they raised that about any, Oscar. Schindler. Schindler. How's that any different than Oscar? Schindler? Right. That's very true. That's very true. That's very true. So I mean, I I also love Hotel Rwanda, and to me, it's such a great depiction. Um, and and we talk quite a bit about that uh, with the U, you know the UN's response. And comparing it to Sarajevo, right, like Bosnia Herzegovina, and we talk about how two things were happening almost simultaneously, and the reaction by the, the modern world is is very very different to those two. Um, I find that that Hotel Rwanda and that emotional connection, right, seeing something like that with the kids is 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 useful, right, and I think that it's. For the most part, historically, historically accurate when it comes to at least depicting the events, and and it, it has facts throughout the film and at the end of the film, like giving actual like death counts right. and all those kinds of things, and those are things that you know the the kids really connect with for sure. Absolutely. Dan, I'm gonna step out. Thanks for joining us today. Appreciate it. All right, take all right. care, everybody. See you. See you, sir. <clears throat>
All right, next. Uh, oh, I gotta get my one for accurate. You're gonna laugh at me again. Please don't. Uh, Master and Commander, Far Side of the World. You both hate it because you find it not entertaining. The most boring film. The, the on plot. The I the tried to watch it three times. Oh, I literally oh, fell asleep. asleep. Oh, it must, literally it must fell not asleep. be intellectual. You must not be intellectually stimulating. Oh my uh, god. Oh, um, I enjoy that film because of first of all, being the Anglophile that I am, loving the Brits. It's soccer. It shows an excellent representation of the British Navy. I mean, there's a lot of fallacies with it. The plot's made up. Um, the British wouldn't have sent that much resource after one ship in the Napoleonic Wars. Uh, Russell Crowe's too old to be the captain. Captain's usually younger. There's, and go on and on about that. But as far as, if you want like a look at what the British Navy looked like in naval warfare and like the clothing and the material culture, I mean, there is no better film for that. Um, I won't drag on because most people do find the film boring. You know, they just, they don't like it, whatever. I don't understand it, but anyway. Oh, um, Lincoln. Did you say Lincoln? Yeah, well, I'm getting to that, too. Um, we, some of the more accurate ones, the opening scene of Private Ryan D-Day. Oh, for good sure. For, all the President's Men for Watergate. Mm-hmm. Pretty darn accurate, pretty good representation. I know I watched it in a uh, college class once. Journey's End, a recent movie about World War One that came out. Um, the plot, I believe, is, is pretty fictional, but as far as life in a trench and like the, the end of World War One and what it was like for British soldiers in the trenches during the last German offensive in the spring of 1918, absolutely wonderful. Um, all right, so one historical movie everyone should see. Matt, you had mentioned 12 Years a Slave, and I don't think there's a better film that shows the evils of slavery in a good light, um, the reality. 12 Years a Slave, I mean, besides the fact it's based on autobiography from the time period, when I see that movie and then I read um, Frederick Douglass's autobiography as well, so many parallels as to like the first slave owner in that, but played by Benedict Cumberbatch, I believe. Like you can see he's he's definitely the more like kind of the two slave owners. And you can see he wrestles with the questions of slavery in the movie. And you can read Frederick Douglass's narrative and the same and pe- it's like the same thing. It's the Thomas Jefferson effect. You have a wolf by the ears, you don't know what to do with it. Right, like that kind of thing. Experience. Um, do you guys want anything? Twelve Years a Slave. Before I move on to the next one. No, it's, it's it, you know the movie's phenomenal. Great. Movie. I hesitate to show it in class. I always yeah. show it to my college kids because it's probably the most honest depiction that we can Graphic. have of slavery right. that we can put on a screen. Right. Um, but I do question like you, you got to make sure you set that up carefully. Yeah. If you're going to show it. Um, I do love the discussion towards the end um, with Mr. Bass, who's played by Brad Pitt, mm-hmm. uh, who's Canadian and is there. And there's a discussion between him and uh, I don't remember the those the owner's name. Um, Michael Fassbender. Yeah, it, it's just it's quite an honest discussion about between an abolitionist and a slave owner as to who these people really are. Are they really people? Are they property? You know, do they feel things? Do they not feel things? So. Um, just well done. And the book is like, I mean, if you've never read the book, the book is, the movie's amazing. The book is a hundred times better. Which is um, usually the know? case. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. Schindler's List um, is a movie that probably we can all concur on. Everybody should see at some point in their lives. I can't believe how old that movie is. Though. I know. Because I did it come out? <clears throat> I think we're at the 25th anniversary. I'll say it had to be 30th. early 90s. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I was around the time I was born. <laughs> nice. I knew something like that was coming. When I was student, when I was substitute teaching just out of college, I had to show it uh, three times a day for a block. Uh. And I actually got to the point where I would show the film for one block, and then I would find something else to do for the other two because it is a it is a must see. It is a must see movie for anybody, but it is not a movie that you say to your significant other, "Hey, 
Want to watch Schindler's List? Tonight? I did that. You're bringing up a Seinfeld episode. Uh, really? No, it's seriously because it's it's just it's like the Passion of the Christ, right? It's yeah. it's a movie that is so heavy, heavy, heavy and well, the promise. Draining. I felt that way about the promise when we showed was the promise. Awesome. We get to that yeah. too. The, the Promise is another year. good movie. A lot of folks don't don't know that movie. I don't think it didn't get a lot of no. play. Well, because um, of Turkey. So The Promise is a film about the Armenian genocide. It's the first film ever done on that, and they did a wonderful job with it. Um, the Armenian genocide is really the first modern genocide that people acknowledge. Mm-hmm. In fact, when the UN was creating the term genocide and some of the rules around it after World War II, um, the guy that was making a speech about it in a couple of interviews referenced the Armenian genocide. He was said, you know, this is the same thing, the same systematic killing that happened to the Armenians in World War I. So that... You know the connection with uh, Schindler's but, List, as but well. Turkey as a government still won't acknowledge. Turkey will not acknowledge it, and it's a bugaboo for the U.S. because the U.S. doesn't want to ruffle feathers with its Middle Eastern ally. Um, Barack Obama said he was going to acknowledge it, never did. Trump, I think, made pretty much every president like campaign saying that they will acknowledge it, and then never does. Um, this film, the only one to use genocide in Armenia in the same sense was Ronald Reagan, I believe. Yes. In the same sense as a president using some of their uh, public ahead. public presence to, to start speaking out for. What do you, you think? You went there. I'm just saying. <laughs> yep. All um, these people that we follow, right, not using their powers for good. So the promise definitely is a film people should have to should have to see at some point. It's a wonderful, wonderful film. Uh, it's extremely well done. Good acting in it. I mm-hmm. felt the kids enjoyed it last year when we used it. Good pairing with Schindler's List as far as uh, accuracy. We should see Lincoln matches Brock Lincoln. Relatively accurate film. Daniel Lewis is the man. Of course, yeah. There's three movies with him. Four, four. Gangs of New York. That's the Mohicans. Lincoln. 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 So we only mentioned th- okay yeah. three. I was off by one that we've mentioned with him in it. Um, you know, I was when I was looking up historically accurate movies because I think a lot of movies I watch I don't I don't pay attention much, to how accurate they are. Question, but right? like Apollo thirteen. Question? Yeah, yeah. Apollo thirteen gets a lot of credit for yeah, being does. very does. historically accurate. And then like ones I never would have thought of as historical movies, but like um, the assassination of Jesse James yep. with uh, Colin Farrell, <clears throat> right? So again, like that idea, like Western, but like very uh, representative of of what that kind of life before the FBI and like a, right. a really truly structured West was, you know? There is no real judicial system in the West. Right. At least not, you know, on a federal level. Right. It's usually at the town. And at the town level, it's usually uh, corrupt anyway. Right. Who, who, who has more money? Right, exactly. Who's guilty? Well, I don't know. Or what family do you belong to? Right, you know, right, the, right. You know, the Erps and the Clantons. And, yeah. And okay, another, another scene you need to see, uh, another movie you need to see, not for its accuracy, but because of what it is, I think it's Birth of a Nation, the nineteen mm-hmm. early 19th century film, 20th century film, sorry, early 1900s film. Uh, Birth of a Nation is one of the first motion pictures to ever be, you know, put out. Uh, it might, I, I could be the, is it the first? I don't know. It's, it's not the first. the first, but Wilson called it the greatest movie. Yes, and said it's all true. And the, wow. yeah, essentially, yeah. the movie it takes you through Reconstruction and depicts African Americans in the worst possible light. I mean, there's blackface in it. Um, the clans, per, 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 the, the uh, clan, the Ku Klux Klan are heroes. So you know about yeah. the movie, and I watched the whole thing in college, and you find yourself almost wanting to laugh as you watch it because you can't believe people believed it to be true. I mean, the president of the United States, Woodrow Wilson, you know, Mister Mister Progressive. Sorry, I had to had to go there. And history teacher, and yeah, that too. And he's it's, it's a very powerful film. It's all true. The the South would not have recovered after the Civil War without the help of the Klan. It basically depicts African Americans as um, shows them in government and even their average life as lazy. Um, it brings into elements of like race mixing, uh, going after. 
um, you know, put air quotations, you know, the idea of Southern African Americans being obsessed with white women mm-hmm. and that whole thing. And, and you see that, you know, per, um, permeate through different times in the South, through lynchings, throughout history. And so I think if you want to get a good idea of the sense of how far we didn't come in race equality after the Civil War, this film's out in, what, 1913s-ish? Yeah, 1914? 1913. I think it was 1913. That's nearly 60 years after the Civil War and slavery's over, and we're getting this film. So that gives you an idea how far we didn't go. I think it's a film people need to see. Yeah. yeah. Well, it could be a representation, at least a little bit, of how far we have come at this point, too. Like, True. Well, be the fact I, that I, we I, can I, I sit there and say, this note. is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. I can't right. believe people believe this, right? right? Like, that that gives a, a little bit of a lending to where we are yeah. right now. But I think it's important, too. I mean, teachers can use it to teach historical context, right? right. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, this, and for the <laughs> students, this is something that we're starting to get into in our classes now, and, you know, shifting the regents' exam to things like historical context and reliability. But those, those are the types of things we can use in the classroom, I think, as teachers, right? Because you show the birth of a nation from 1913, and then you show the more modern titled Birth of a Nation, trying to reclaim yeah. that, right? Historical perspective has changed, Still need to see right? that too. Um, and I've seen bits and pieces, and you're right, I haven't had a chance just to see it. Um, but teaching that reliability, teaching that historical significance, because when the movie is made, is just as important as what it's showing. Yeah, absolutely. You know? It's like monuments. It brings a good monument. Right, absolutely. absolutely. Um, another one is Hostels. It's on Netflix right now. That's a quick one students go watch. Rated R. Make sure you check with parent permissions, what else to say. Christian Bale. You went and saw that, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Excellent movie. Uh, the plot's made up. Uh, it's got Wes Studian, again, like one of the, my favorite actors. Um, really shows a good profile of Indian hating. Of oh, the main, the main yeah. character, Christian Bale. I mean, he comes around at the end, kind of, you'll see if you, if you see the film. But the idea of just like the hatred of, and it's set in the early 1890s. So that's the point where Wounded Knees already happened. They're rounding up the last of Native Americans. The frontier is about to close. The Oklahoma land rush. Uh, manifest you know, destiny has been you know, fulfilled. And it really shows a good profile of American Indian hating. And then the last film we have here for what you should see, Mississippi Burning. Um, Mike, you can speak to that one? Mississippi Burning came out in the late 80s, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Gene Hackman, Willem Dafoe. Really looks at... Um, the civil rights movement uh, and some of the uh, challenges faced by the FBI trying to find three civil rights uh, workers that were uh, murdered and then their bodies were Freedom Summer. Uh, yeah, uh, removed. Yeah, it was a Freedom Summer. Schwerner, uh, Cheney, and uh, I can't remember the, uh, the third guy's name. Um, but they went to the South. The idea was they're going to register African Americans to vote. Just register African Americans to vote. And they're seen as such a threat to the establishment that the um, the Klan basically puts out a, a kill order, and uh, the three of them are killed. The, they tear apart the countryside trying to find these guys. Uh, the FBI is brought in because it, these guys cross state lines. Um, there are some real liberties taken by the, the producers and directors of um, some of the scenes, but it gives you a good sense of the Klan and their iron grasp on a small town and you know not to give too way too much but you know the the, the mayor of the town the sheriff the deputy Charlie Ermey is the, the mayor which is yeah awesome. he does a fantastic, fantastic job, job. Um, the, ma- the major business people in town 
um, the judge, they're all members of the clan, mm -hmm. right? So it really demonstrates that, because it's hard for us to wrap our brain around how much a, a group like that can have control of an area. And if they control that, all those positions, they can control an invest, a local investigation. Which is helpful for students because they, that's an abstract concept that they, well, if they committed the crime, they did it. Like, right. that's a very abstract concept. Well, we've somehow gotten to a point, and we're not going to go down this wormhole, but people just blindly trust officials. Right. Right. You know? So they, it's hard for them. Or to don't, grasp or don't trust enough. I mean, corruption. Look at them. Look at them. You know, just a Mueller investigation. You know. Yeah, look yeah, at, yeah. Let's look how both sides do the look at the findings. You know, do we trust that investigation or not? You could see, and you could see the battle lines being drawn. Not to go down that wormhole, but whenever the findings come out, well, let's watch the political pundits spin yeah, the results yeah, yeah. as we see. But we can tie it back to if it's on the screen, right? Is it legitimate, right? right? Because and and that's where I think our students struggle with that because they see it either on Netflix or Amazon Prime or I guess YouTube that's our job to do or whatever. We as educators have to start teaching them to become digital, not only digital learners but digital consumers. Yeah, for right. Sure. To, to understand, you really need to go out and check. You know, I saw this. I saw this really cool YouTube video on whatever. Well, you better fact check that thing mm -hmm. because just yep. because somebody has it on YouTube and it's easy and quick to do with today's technology, right. oh, which is the best part. But and, you know, a quick story about that: I we were talking about the Confederate flag in my class, and, and I've had long talks with some of the students in the hallway about it. And uh, one young man gave me a video that he wanted me to watch, and I watched the video, and he was he's like, "Oh yeah, this is awesome. This will totally explain to you then why rednecks use the Confederate battle flag as their flag." And the video was full of inaccuracies, the one of which I almost fell out of my seat, claiming the Confederacy freed their slaves before the North uh, enforced the Emancipation Proclamation. And I'm like, that's just a, that's flat out wrong. Right. Like you, you, you cannot use that as a fact when you're trying to debate an issue like that. You got if you're going to debate issues, you got to you got to be using real facts, truthful uh -huh. facts. Um, and he didn't want to hear that when I talked to him about it. He was like, you know, it's just. It, that's not true. It was in the video. And I'm like, yeah, but the video the was made by a person, right? And we and it goes back to when producers and, and people they make films for entertainment. You got to be careful why other people are producing videos. Mm -hmm. as well. Also, the idea of accessing facts with a preconceived notion, picking and choosing the oh, ones yeah. that will fit your argument instead of you know that's that that's a whole big issue we could get into too. Well, we're getting short on time. Uh, any final thoughts? Films, history, just a, a you know and. Last kind of statement on it, you know, it's it's always entertaining to go to watch a movie, you know, and it's always interesting. I think it's more interesting personally when it's based on some some event that happened, right? We're inspired by that, but you got to be really careful. Mm -hmm. you know? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, my students in our class right now are looking at The Greatest Showman, fantastic film, but wow, when you start digging into P.T. Barnum and and what's really going on there. You got to be really careful about uh, about what you take as is literal fact and not. I totally agree. Yeah, that's it's okay to be entertained, right? And that's that's where you and I right are always butting heads because I I can be entertained and know that it's strictly for entertainment without like getting mad that the history is off, right? I can value something for an entertainment value versus historical value, and and it it it's like I think anything in life, right? Like the way you approach it and how you use it matters, right? So if I'm using it as entertainment, it's totally fine. But can I do, should I use something that is completely, complete fallacy 
as a teaching tool unless I'm using to teach how oh, media can make things look bad or, or can make can can get things wrong then then no right I'm not going to use it as a teaching tool but I can totally be entertained by it as long as it's not but I guess if it were in my wheelhouse something I was really like passionate about and it was inaccurate I would probably be mad about well and that's the part that I think I need to understand too is things can be for entertainment um, every time a historical movie gets brought up in my family or with my in-laws it's like Nick, what do you think? And everybody's like, everybody goes like, oh, he's not going to like it because it's historically inaccurate. I think I've actually said those words <laughs> in a discussion of yeah, you times. probably have. That um, might have been my tone. We want to thank you for listening today in January, hopefully February. We put out uh, our first episode on genocide. There might be a multi-part series. We'll have to see. Um, email us your question to hollyhistory65 at gmail.com or tweet them uh, to us at hollyhistory or... Stop by our classroom for your student school. You know, give us a shout out, comment on the video question. Let us know what you think. Thank you for joining us today.